1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, I can children, but I'd like to. use... The picture. Oh, shit. Recorded? Okay. Live. Yes. Welcome,
0: talk to the audience. And, uh,. And so, so we begin. We are go to Genesis one twenty eight.
1: one twenty
0: eight.
1: Okay. Spirit of the Lord got me up this morning with a message. And um God in the I and I don't like to say seasons, but there are times and appointed times in the Lord. And many times
0: Let me just preface this. Father, thank
1: you that the word is preeminent. Lord, it's in you that we seek the living word. And that word which will bring us context in our life, that would bring purpose. And Lord, it is that
0: word that brings faith. Father, give us courage
1: to be whom you called us to be in these days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. There is... In these days, it's going to take faith to be what God has called us to be. If you
1: are... Not, if you know if you all in the back can't hear me, get closer because this stuff's important. But uh, without faith it's impossible to please God, it says in the Hebrew letter. The Hebrews is a book of contrast. Living by the law, living in grace. Living by the law, living in grace.
0: In the book of Genesis, so
1: why do we go to the beginning? Because God is a king. And his word he does not take back. This is where people say, well, God never changes his mind. Well, it's not that. He says, I change not. His essence and who he is changes. How many have ever seen a place where he said that he he hates divorce, but yet he divorced Israel? So it's not that he changes not, that he doesn't change what he's doing. Do you know that sometimes he'll alter? The Bible said that it it is within the king uh, the, the, the Lord's ability to change the hearts of a king the way that the Lord changes the way the rivers flow. Why do the rivers... Okay. The rivers change direction because of obstacles. You know, the, in, the, in, the, in the, the Kidron Brook, for example, where it was the garden of Gethsemane, I'll give you an example of, of how God changes things. Jesus went to pray there. Why there? Well, the, in that valley, there used to be a place where they would get rid of the high places and they would dump them into this, this valley or in some cases, some of the writers just call it an abyss. But they would drop these things in there and it, they dropped so many of these high places and these idols, they dropped them into this place that it literally, where the, the Kidron Brook, actually it's a, it's a little bit more than a brook; it's a river, and it, and it altered the direction of the brook or the river. But there, there would grow these trees that because of all of the rocks and activity there, that they would grow up really twisted, but they would still grow. Well, Jesus picked that place in that Garden of Gethsemane that wasn't a... I like when people paint these things, the Garden of Gethsemane, and they, they put lilacs and roses and everything... It was a garden, but it wasn't a garden that people would look at with beauty. Growth, but it can I use the word mangled growth? Where Jesus chose to go, where things were twisted. Who did he contend with there? The one who would twist truth to get him away from his mission. Jesus sought the Lord there to alter, watch this, the course of his ministry by not going to the cross. Isn't that interesting that he picked that place to seek out, let's try a different way, God. If there's another way, let this cup pass from me, right? But he went there, and what did God say? No, mission unalterable. This is what you've got to do. And sent him an angel immediately strengthened him. Now, why would that place be a place of great strength? Because things that should not have grown in the garden grew in spite of the twisting and mangled conditions that were there because these things were constantly being dropped. What is it that's constantly being dropped from us? Anything that's idolatrous that would keep us from the mission that God has called us because the idolatry becomes whatever you put before your mission. Make no mistake, church, you're not here to earn a living, live life, say praise the Lord, I'm prosperous, and then die. You're here on a mission. The book of Ephesians, the whole book is written, that we might, it's a book of warfare, that we might know who we are, that we've been blessed, that we have access to wisdom, the revelation of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Then he provided the fivefold. The fivefold ministry are not these huge leaders that everybody plans to be. Well, I'm an apostle. I finally became a a pastor, then a teacher, then I did this. Now I'm an apostle. No, that's given to you at birth. That's given to you before the foundations of the world. There are things that are done to stir the gift up if you're called to be an apostle, if you're called to be a pastor, if you're called to be a teacher. These things are selected by God, not because of merit, but because God chose before the foundations of the world. And what we need to understand is that we go to the book of beginnings to find out what God's intent is at the beginning. Can I tell you something? So much of the time, I'm going to make this statement right here and right now. So much of the time that we live a life trying to be like Jesus. And what do we say? We have to be good like Jesus. We tell our kids, no, Jesus wouldn't do that. Now, Jesus' mission was to do what? To be sinless. To go to the cross as a thief, as a crook, as a liar, as a swindler. Everything that humanity was. To take that to be the sacrifice for everything that keeps us away from God. Are you with me? Yes. That's not your mission. Quit striving to be good enough to be what God called you to be. You're going to fail because you live in this human flesh, and you're going to mess up here and there. And you know where we mess up the most is our mouth. We need a bridle on that mouth. I've been retraining me myself and, 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 and uh, catching myself because... If God promotes and he gives me more authority and I say something, I don't want my words to come to pass. If I want God to trust me with power, I better know how to use my mouth. You know, we take kids to the to the shooting ranges sometimes. and You know, you see sometimes they get a rifle or a gun. My dad used to take me as well. And so he gives me this gun and I say, Dad, what do we do with this? And everybody goes, Ah, and they duck because you're holding the loaded gun and you're just waving it and everybody ducks, Because you're not you don't know how you're not old enough to handle that kind of power.
0: <laughs>
1: and so my dad just yanked jerked the slack out of us. He got my brother on, pulled him by the hair, come here and just pulled him over. And never ever do that again. And I learned by watching my, my brother get manhandled and <laughs> And i you give me a gun, I'm going to hold it down to the ground. Make sure the safety is on and make sure I'm holding it close to the ground. There's rules with power. It's like 16-year-olds behind the wheel of a car. You've got a 2,000-pound killer on wheels. You don't know what you're going to do. And you've got to trust people with the keys. And so what happens is God gives you keys. That's how he operates. He gives you keys of authority, of access. And so Jesus came to fulfill that part. So that when he removed the very obstacles that would keep you from moving into the things of God, you don't have to look at sin as one of the things that keeps you from, because see, the issues of sin take care of themselves when you you join the mission. Way back in John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again to see, perceive, understand the kingdom of God. Then he told Nicodemus again. When he says something twice, you need to pay attention. But he says, you need to be born again or born from above to enter. Now that word enter is a christening of a ship that goes on to a journey. The Bible calls us pilgrims. If you look at Psalm 84, Dr. Scott used to teach on this all the time, the weeping in the valley of Baca, or Baca, as he used to say, and the pools that would form because of your labors in in the presence of God and how God would rain upon you because he joined your faith. But there are times in the valleys of doing and submitting to what God wants you to do that you're going to sow in tears, and you're going to reap in joy. The point of it is that most of the American gospel that's been preached is that you don't have to go through anything. And when you do, it must be your fault. Are you catching what I'm saying? Because I'm setting you free, believe it or not. Because you're going to go through, in this world, you will what? Have, Jesus said, tribulation. And so when we tribulate, you say, God, send me more so that I might grow. That is the stupidest thing you could ever say. Because life, how many know life gives you enough trial? Mm-hmm. All by itself, living here gives you enough trial. You get on the 405 freeway, that's a huge trial. You don't move. It took me four hours to get from Santa Monica back to where I live. Uh-huh. Yeah, four or five hours, that's a good one. I, I'm going to use that one if I may. That is good. But it did. It took me four hours to get home. And although my visit up there was great, They cut me loose at 5.05. And the great thing is I remembered how to meander all the streets. Miraculously, I hadn't been doing that for 10, 15 years. But I grew up in L.A. My grandmother took me through the whole place on buses and walking with her and all that other stuff. And and so I knew the streets. Otherwise, I was stuck. When I worked up there, I used to stay there or meander my way up to certain stores so that I can really get on the road at 7 o'clock because i get home at the same time. I, got, I left there at 5, got home at 9.01, and I was doing talk show on the phone, because there's no... I was so upset, because I had all my notes at home, and I thought, well... But see, a lot of it, God, the Holy Spirit just comes in and does some things and talks to you. But the point I want to make here is that we go through seasons that God takes us through Because the Bible teaches, and I like, I like Hebrews 3 and 4. Whenever I want to be encouraged in my faith, I go back to Hebrews 3 and 4. Because it talks about laboring to enter into that rest. Can I tell you something? It's a labor of faith because the flesh suffers when you labor in faith. The Bible says it's a just shall live by faith. Amen? Amen. This is all preface. So you know what that means? That you've got to stretch beyond what you did yesterday. Because now faith is. It's not like... The, the writer wasn't going, well, you know, now, listen to me, faith is. No, he's talking about the essence of faith. It's always now. Because what you had five minutes ago isn't enough to carry you into the next five minutes. I've ever been believing God for a healing. And let's say, let's say it's a headache. And you take a God's pill. You don't take the a regular pill, but you take the gospel and you're saying, you know what, this isn't killing me. I'm going to exercise my faith. And you say, Father, here's what your word said about healing. He himself bore my sicknesses and diseases. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 has become one of my favorites lately. That I'm not going to forget his benefits, and he's renewing my youth like the eagle. So age is but a state of mind. And so then I'm going over. Now, don't mean that you, that, it doesn't mean that you, you, you tempt fate by dining on chocolate cakes every day. You know, it's not that you can't have a chocolate cake, but you place the value on the cake and what you can have, you know. But, but what happens based on everything else you're doing. But what I'm saying is that when you're believing God for healing, it takes almost every other minute to thank God for the healing. Because he says, you, you enter in, you believe, you take it. I take my healing, Father, thank you, that my body's well and responds to the word. Because his word, watch this, is living and active. But if I, if I have to rewind and say, well, you know, I don't believe this. It's just words. Then we have nothing to talk about. But if you believe that his word is living and active, then that word that I'm putting in me is life. An Advil is not life. It's a pain reliever. It doesn't take care of the root. As a matter of fact, it might cover up something that's really going on. So I say, Father, I attack this at the root. I say this headache is gone in Jesus' name. And, Father, and sometimes I get the wisdom and praying in the spirit. I say, sinuses in Jesus' name. Be made well, dissipate, pressure go in Jesus' name. And then I'm doing something, and I start to feel it again. I said, nope, by stripes I'm healed. Now, see, stripes and healing aren't salvation like they used to teach in traditional uh, Baptist seminaries because you can't heal something that needs resurrection because we were dead. So healing is an active part of the manifestation of the kingdom of God. So as we start here in Genesis, he says he created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, him, male and female. He created them. Everyone say them. Did you notice that there wasn't a hierarchy at that moment? He created them and blessed them both. It wasn't like, can I tell you something? The husband that says wife obey me is off the wall. Because the Bible says that the woman responds to what the man gives. The Bible commanded the man to love his wife. He never commanded his wife to love her husband because she responds. Now, it doesn't give her a right to respond foul, if he's foul, because 1 Peter chapter chapter 3 tells us that that she needs to operate through the inner beauty and bring him back. Not by much speaking. That's why a lot of times when I'm counseling couples she enters into the, mirror, the, into the mirror image of shut up so that God can do the work. That's, can I tell you something? That's laboring to enter into rest. And, and for the men. The Bible, I like, I like the book where it says that it's easier to live in the corner of the roof of your house than with a contentious woman. Could you imagine? So. God's talking about the two areas of suffering in relationship. Because the three rings are is the engagement ring, right? The marriage ring and suffering. No, I'm playing. But that's a joke. It's not, it's not doctrine. But what happens is when we begin to labor to enter into that rest, we have to labor in the word to build up our faith so that we can live in faith now every day. See, we have separate lives, church life. Home life, work life, school life. Shouldn't be. You ought to be on. I, I, used, to, I used to hang out with some preachers and say, Man, you could turn it off now. Turn what off? I want to get other preachers to speak about the word. Turn what off? And look at one of God's fine creations, man. There she goes. I said, You know what, dude? I'm gone. Not that I don't. You can admire God's creations all you want. But what I'm saying is that there's a time and a place. When men of God get together, it will be deep, calling into the deep, and iron sharpening iron. That iron sharpens iron even in fellowship. What so was cool about last night? It was so smooth. There was nothing jagged. People came into fellowship, enjoyed each other's company. The kids went out and did their thing, came back. They played the games. I mean, it was like smooth. Just, I mean, there was no choppiness. It was just a good, good time. And I thought, praise the Lord. I said, that's how that's church ought to be all the time. But see, one, the reason being is that there's nothing wrong, because I, I was arguing with some folks, because they say, Halloween has nothing to do with that. blah, 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 it's the devil's holiday. But you know what? All of them are the devil's holiday. Christmas is a devil's holiday. It was borrowed from some, you know, they're all pagans. But what do we do? We still live life. So let's say we choose to have a harvest celebration. There's a lot of harvest. There's a lot of good food lined up up there. The kids enjoyed the harvest of donuts, trying to eat them well, while they were on strings. You know, and it was a lot of fun. We, we played beer pong, too. But it was root beer pong. We had root beer set up, and they, they were able to, you know. But it was fun. It was fun to watch all these different things. Now, why? Because one of the legs of the church is fellowship. Then there's a breaking of bread coming around the table of communion, which communion that means prayer. You come together with prayer that rides right into the prayer meeting. And doctrine. He gave you everything the church was supposed to be. And here what he says, created, MC, created, he talked about all the animals being created after their own kind, but now God said, now you guys are created after my kind, my image, right, my likeness. This is what he said. This is who you are. And let them have dominion. So everyone say dominion.
0: dominion. Do
1: you know that a lot of times we live life and let it beat us up? We don't take dominion. What do you take dominion over? Well, number one, you care for the earth. So the environmentalists aren't stupid. Right? The environmentalists have been hearing the voice of God. Take care of the planet. And they hear it. And God's people are too busy being right-winged in the United States. They don't want to take care of anything. They're going to take care of their money and their corporations. Now, I'm talking about the extremes, okay? Are you hearing me? You know that the, that the conservative people are the ones that say the least and, let, and allow more to happen in the United States than any other group.
0: Because the liberals
1: are always trying to fix it. And because they don't believe that there's a God that can fix it. We say, God, take care of it. But you're God's agents here on earth. That's what he did here in Genesis. He was creating someone to care for it. He said, take dominion. How do we take dominion? Well, you don't change your oil and bury it in the ground. Yeah, but we were ignorant. Now you're not ignorant anymore. I was talking to Mark about it. We, we had a beautiful, bright, blue, clear sky, and we saw the moon from one end all the way up to during the day. But I, some of us are old enough to remember the days in L.A. when they would say, y'all have to stay indoors because how many of you remember the smog was so bad that your eyes would burn? And you couldn't even see the San Gabriel Mountains. It was bad. Then they started teaching us, well, we have an inversion layer over the L.A. basin, which stays here. But you know what they didn't say? L.A. smog ends up in the Inland Empire because by nature there's always a breeze blowing there, but it would just... So I, I, I told Mark, I said, see that brown cloud down yonder? And he goes, yeah, that's yeah, brown. I said, that's coming to us right now. not fair that their pollution comes and affects us. And he goes, yeah, that's right. What do we do? I said, they've been making cars that pollute less and finding people and doing all these different things. Now, they fixed it. Did you know that at one time in the 60s, they were thinking of making these huge fans in the San Gabriel Mountains to blow all the air over to Nevada? But then they figured it would be physically impossible to build fans all over the... That was an idea. They said they were they were really thinking about. And even as a teenager, I'm like, that's a stupid idea. But anyway. But the wind carried it over. Now watch this. As the Church of Jesus Christ to influence the world that we live in, the things that we do provide an atmosphere that travels. The words that we release out of our mouth go into the cosmos and have an effect. That's how strong and powerful you are. Because when God hovered over the face of the deep, he saw, because he moves by faith, he saw and spoke, and light was. Now, what area was, everyone thinks the whole earth got restored. No, the earth was still in disarray, and he created a man and a woman to do what? We'll we'll get to see it. He created them in his image. Male and female created them. That's verse 27. 28, he said he blessed them. Now, the blessing here is the empowerment and the ability to do what God released them to do. Now watch this. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. Subdue means warfare. It's a military term that means you take it and occupy it, holding back the tide of what caused the earth. Now a lot of people believe it's just entropy, because everything here in this earth, because of the simple nature, folds back into itself and becomes wild. Okay, that's the easiest term I can, I can bring about ent- ent- uh, have a, uh, entropy. But he said more than that, why do you want to be fruitful? Well, you want to bear fruit. Why do you want to bear fruit? You grow. You, you multiply. You see, <laughs> you're not bearing fruit. Watch. What's, fruit, what's bearing fruit for an army?
0: What's bearing fruit for an army?
1: Something you need, Right? They need to have food to eat, armament, shielding. Am I telling the truth? You need to have a budget to be able
0: to do what you do, to go out
1: plus.